What's up, guys? This is Maddie Madeira with From Ashes to New, and you're listening to The Itch. You're listening to The Itch. My name is Casey. My name is Dan. And I'm Aaron. And this week, we are scratching the itch to break the silence. We <laughs> See, you like that one? I had to come up with that. Yeah, something on the spot. Right. It's pretty solid. Yes. <laughs> Almost as funny as Casey's pun. What's your theory on that? Oh, I see what oh, you did there. Jeez, just topped him. <laughs> we are talking this week with Mitch Schwanger, the drummer and founder of the band Silent Theory. Definitely was excited that we were able to line this interview up, and we had a lot of fun talking to him. Silent Theory has been on Dan's hit list for a, a couple months now. We'll, you, you'll hear in the conversation how we discovered them, and ever since then, we're like, you know what, let's let's book this. So we did. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Tom George, their PR person, because uh, got an email and got an advance of uh, their, theoretically speaking, acoustic EP, and it's like, hey, we know somebody that has a connection to this band. We need to talk to these people. <laughs> Tom's great in general, so just just a shout out to him. Period. Yes. Yeah, and so we definitely appreciate him hooking up, hooking us up with Mitch, and, and just the music advances in general too. I don't know if that was him or Mitch. I think Mitch actually uh, helped us out for part of it too. Um, but as as we explained in the interview, like it just led to a a little special birthday present for myself. <laughs> Yeah, we had a wonderful time talking with Mitch, so we're going to just get right into it right now. So without any further ado, here's our conversation with Mitch Swanger of Silent Theory. I shot myself in the foot again, and I can't feel, can't feel anything. I'm waiting for the falling rain to end. So far, so good. So I kind of wanted to start off with a story I have that I thought was funny. So most of the new music that I get is through YouTube. And one day I was listening and your band popped up and I was just like, holy hell, how did how have I never heard of this band? And so I started listening to more and more and, and diving deeper into your guys' discography and just loving every single thing that I heard. And I, I remember sending it. We have a mass text between the three of us that we've been going on for years and I, I remember sending the text to KC, who's known for his puns. <laughs> and as soon as I sent him, I was like, how have I never heard of this band? And KC's response, if you want to say it, dude. It's because they're silent. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> so that, that's how we're introduced to your band is through a, a pun. Right hey, the algorithm worked that time. Yes, it, <laughs> it did. It did. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> But trying to find background information on Silent Theory was a bit more difficult than we anticipated. You know, other than the band's website, there's not really much information on the backstory of the band. So do you mind sharing a little bit more about how everybody came together? I don't mind at all. Yeah. It's interesting because when we first started, we had written the bio and the bio was crazy long. And <laughs> I, I don't remember what publicist we were with at the time, but they were like, like, nobody's going to read this. This is boring. They don't care. <laughs> scale it down way more than this. And so we'd like take a chunk off. He's like, keep going, keep going. So to the point of like 
nothing and he's like perfect <laughs> that's probably why you found nothing because <laughs> it down. uh no i uh, i'm happy to talk about the bio so uh, actually i don't know if you are aware you might be aware that three of the five of us in the band are brothers yes mm-hmm. yes okay cool yeah so scott and george and i grew up obviously playing music together as kids you know our dad's a drummer we would you know just jam in the basement and it's really funny because i'm the oldest i played the drums Scott's the neck. He's the middle one. He played the guitar. And so you have, if you ask George, he says he got stuck with the bass because he'd already taken the other two. <laughs> so, That's how it always works. <laughs> the three of us had always played, you know, growing up. But what's interesting is for me personally, I was really, I had a ton of stage fright, like a crazy <laughs> amount of stage fright. And so even growing up, I would play the drums like all day, every day. But if you asked me to like go play in front of anybody, I would be like, absolutely not. No way. Nope. Nope. So I never like I never did band in school or anything because I just like there's no way I could have handled playing in front of really anybody. And so like when I was growing up, other than just playing for the family, because they had to listen to it because there's no volume on the drums. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Uh, That was really my audience. So when we hit adulthood, I had some friends who were in a local band and they knew I was a drummer. And at the time I was 19. So I was a sophomore in college and I was like, okay, I'll get together and just jam with you guys. I'm willing to do that. We started to write a little bit and then pretty soon it kind of became a band and we formalized it. But the problem was, is I still had the same stage fright I had always had. And so I remember when we actually finalized it and we got our first gig, it's hilarious. It was at a local coffee shop. We were like this hard rock band (laughs) playing this little coffee shop to a bunch of high school students. (laughs) But I was so nervous that I remember, well, I'm probably incriminating myself because I was only 19, but I had, I had obtained some adult beverages. (laughs) I had to just slam them in in a bank parking lot that was right next to the because I was so nervous. And I was like, I got to at least be able to get in there and do it. And what's interesting is the show went well and we started to get more and more shows, but my stage fright never really kind of went away. So even as I got more and more on stage, I still kind of have to like self-medicate to get up there, which in retrospect was a terrible decision. You know, I talk about that a lot about how, you know, I I think there's this perception of like musicians and and rock stars thinking it's super cool to like, just get wasted and go on stage. And like, it's not, it's terrible. You know, people are spending money. They want to come see you play. They don't want to see you be a sloppy drunk mess on stage because you think it's cool. But anyway, actually, yeah, uh, it's funny you mentioned that because we actually just had an episode where we I'm not going to name names or anything. It's in the episode that we talked about where it seemed like one of the singers was inebriated. And it's just for us, it took away from the experience. But yeah, I, I've had friends that have tried to, to self-medicate to, you know, to get over their fear of being on stage. So I, I really want I'm curious, like, have you found a way to get around that or is is there a way that you're dealing with that? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so yeah, and that kind of fits into the bio actually. So Green Silent Theory, it was just me and then our original singer, Nick Osborne, who was on the very first Silent Theory album. He was the singer. We had gone to high school together. It was he and I, and then Bob James, who is now the current 
um, rhythm guitarist of Silent Theory, mm -hmm. he and I worked together when I was in college. So we had uh, Nick and I in this band and, a, and another high school friend named Josh. And the band was called Faded. So there were the three of us. We needed a bass player. Bob played the bass. We brought him in. And that's kind of how that band formed. We played a lot of local shows. And then we, we did get some bigger shows. We, were, we had the opportunity to play South by Southwest. But it did not take very long to realize we creatively were not on the same page. I'm, I'm a bit of a control freak. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll just, I'll admit it. Um, <laughs> it was Josh. And if you have two control freaks trying to fight over <laughs> yeah. the man, yeah. it, it doesn't work. It, you really have to, in my opinion, you really have to have one like bullheaded person and the rest have to be fairly passive. Yeah. You have a whole bunch of really strong personalities. We came to some huge fights, but anyways, <laughs> at the time we were under a contract with a management company and basically in the, the fine print, it said like, if you, if anybody leaves this band, you have to basically forfeit everything, right? Like we couldn't take anything with us. And the band dynamics had gotten so bad at that point that we, we just quit. So Nick, Bob mm -hmm. and I basically left faded and left Josh with the faded contract and that management deal. And, and because of that, we had to start over. So this would have been in about 2010. And we had to rebuild a little bit. At the time, as we were forming Silent Theory, we ended up bringing in both my brothers, Scott and George. And the reason they hadn't really been in the band previously is because they were young. I remember we had had one show locally where we were missing people and Scott and George both played that show with us. But I think Scott was a junior in high school <laughs> wow. and George was a sophomore in high school. And so they had football practice, had to leave football practice to come <laughs> play the show with us. And then we couldn't really have anything substantial there because just based off the dynamics, it really wouldn't have worked. Right. Yeah. But as we fast forward into merging into silent theory, we were all adults finally. So it was Nick. Myself, Bob, we brought in Scott as a lead guitarist, and George came in as the bass player moving Bob to rhythm guitar. All while still me drinking a ton before shows, because even after all those years, I still had stage fright. I don't know. I'm, a, I'm really introverted, too. I guess I should say that, too. I'm by nature. I'm a really, really introverted person. And um, I would use the alcohol kind of as a way to become the extrovert that you kind of need to be, especially if you're mingling with people like after or before shows, Yeah, you know, I don't want to be that like weird dude. That's just quietly standing at the side of the merch booth. And they're like, who's this? Dude? And so I would use that <laughs> to, I, I don't know, just become an extrovert and be a people person, I guess. So that was still happening. We had to start from ground zero. And I, I've shared this story a lot, but I'm, I'm happy to share it again. You know, we always get asked, like, how did the name Silent Theory come to be? And there's all like, I feel like bands have the coolest stories ever. Like, <laughs> yeah, this happened or this from this mythical creature and blah, like, whatever. <laughs> we were at a local Mexican restaurant with many pictures of margaritas. And we were just like, we're not leaving until we settle on, <laughs> on a name. And so we'd be sitting there and we'd drink margaritas and somebody would be like, well, what about this? Yeah, that's cool. Somebody Google that. Who? Oh, oh, a band from Cincinnati has it. All right, let's keep going. <laughs> and, and some, like, this is ours, by the way. Yeah. So somebody was like, well, how about Silent Theory? And we were like, Google it. Is it? No, no. All right. Dibs, then we'll call it. And that's literally how it came. There's no <laughs> 
people think that they're like, so yeah, there's this theory and is it silent? And I'm like, no, nope, <laughs> nope, just a name. <laughs> so, so that's how we formed the name. And we had had a few songs in demo mode that we had with Faded that we hadn't done anything with Faded that we started writing and fine tuning as Silent Theory. If you listen to the very first album, which is night and day different from what we are now, but in 2011, we released our first album as Silent Theory called Black Tie Affair. And at the time, we were definitely a bar band and we were trying to fit into that bar band scene. I can't really write off the album. It's our first album. It segued into what we are today. You know, I don't know that we'd be here without that. But it's really funny listening to that first album, which is 11 years old now, and listening to what we've done now, because you wouldn't even guess it's the same band, right? I mean, we're singing about sex, drugs, and rock and roll, you know, all the cliche stuff you're supposed to sing about on Black Tie Affair. And you fast forward all these years. And I mean, it's so far from that. And it's funny because people who are not really familiar with us, who may discover us for the first time, typically hear the the newer stuff, Fragile Mind, Shaking Cages. And then they're like, oh, there's this other album, huh? And they'll go back to it and they'll be like, what is this? Like, is this the same band? This is not the same band, is it? Like, (laughs) So we released the first album uh, with an indie label, TVR Records is who we were with, and went on our first national tour to support that album we were about on the on the road for about three months and that's where we finally got in the rhythm we were playing enough that i started to be like hey i don't need to be drinking to be playing the drums so it was really that first tour that we finally i I guess i got the confidence to be up there and be like you know we're up here for a reason hopefully it goes well if it doesn't go well it doesn't go well and it was really that tour that i was like i don't have to be drinking a ton to hop on the stage. And so that was, it was nice. It was finally nice to have that realization to, to not do that. Now there, now there was a lot of drinking on that tour. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just discovered that I didn't have to have it on stage. So we do the tour, we, we get off tour. And at the time, Nick, our original singer, he just really wasn't into it. And I mean, I'm sure you guys know that, especially if you're going to try and be in a touring band or or just do, you know, trying to make a living as a band, you all have to be 100% in because it's a grind and it sucks. And if you're, and if you're not into it, then you're miserable. You're going to make everybody else miserable. And I think, you know, Nick was a talented singer, but he just didn't want to do it. You know, I think he enjoyed singing for fun. Once it escalated to a level of like having some label representation and being on the road, he was like, you know, this isn't for me. So when we hopped off tour, we parted ways with him and we were singerless and honestly thought that was going to be it. You know, we come from a small town. We're from Moscow, Mm -hmm. Idaho small college town. We don't have a ton. I mean, there are probably a lot of musicians that I'm not aware of, but um, trying to find a singer here felt nearly impossible. So we were trying to connect with resources, anybody and everybody. We had a fair amount of auditions. Some of them, I applaud their confidence. Um, <laughs> yeah. It did not work out. I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, as we fast forward over the years, we kind of we kept writing as a band. We had some intermittent singers. We did release a song called Out of My Head in 2013. And then it was it was honestly it was weird. It was like a friend through a friend was like, hey, I know this guy named Dakota, young guy who's a fairly good singer. I sent him your stuff. He'd be interested in you know trying out for the band. And we were like, OK, cool. And he lived in Boise. 
which is Idaho's capital. And so from Moscow to Boise, it's about a five hour drive on a two lane windy road. And we scheduled him to come up. And what impressed me about Dakota was that he had memorized almost all of Black Tie Fair. And I just was impressed that he had taken the time to do that. We had auditioned other singers and they had like, they hadn't even heard of the other stuff. Right. And so the the auditions were, they didn't go very well, but he came in really prepared, had such a unique voice. If you listen to Nick on Black Tie Affair, and then you listen to Dakota on Delusions, I mean, crazy difference. And so he knew the songs, but what was interesting is his voice did not fit those original songs. Like, and mm, it, yeah, we connected with him. That was the other thing too. He was fun to be around. Uh, he was a funny guy. He had the same interests we did. And so we clicked right away. So at the end of that weekend of auditioning, we we hired him. But we knew right away, this old catalog's not going to work. We started writing again and did that for about a, about a year. He moved up to Moscow, actually, to be a part of the band, which was cool. In that year, we wrote a bulk of Delusions. What's interesting is we had studio time scheduled for january of 2016 and we had a handful of songs we were ready to go record and like two weeks before our studio date scott was like hey i was just messing around with this riff i want to show you guys i don't know if there's anything there and he starts playing fragile minds we were like that is really cool like that is <laughs> yeah that's super cool we should do something with that but dakota was like played again played again played again and he was like I, I think i've got something and dakota wrote out the lyrics as you hear them for fragile minds in that span so we literally we were we thought we were coming in with a completely different song we scrapped it and we went in uh to the studio in january of 16 having never even actually played it all together we recorded fragile minds in three days and what's interesting is how you hear it is how it was written. So it was one of those songs that really just kind of came together. It was interesting because I had sent it to a few of my like radio contacts just to feel like, hey, we've got this new song. I don't know. Hopefully you like it. Tell me what you think. And I don't think we were expecting people to be like, whoa, what is this? <laughs> right? Like it yeah. got a ton of really positive reviews just in our, our network. One of my friends, Quintanzer, he did a lot with radio campaigns. He was like, "It's there's something here. I want to run a campaign on this. So we did, and it did fairly well on radio. But where it really did well was YouTube. So when you were talking oh. about hmm. you know, discovering us, Dan, from, from the algorithms on YouTube, that's how most people have discovered us. For some reason, hmm. like the radio did well. Spotify has done well, but it was YouTube that kind of blew that song up. And, and we had trickled up to about 100,000 video views or streams on the Fragile Minds video. But once we hit that, it's like the algorithms like kicked into overdrive and it just sent Fragile Minds like skyrocketing, <laughs> which was great, obviously, yeah. for us. Yeah. Because now, I mean, I last I checked, I think we're just over 21 million video views on Fragile Minds. 
and still today yeah. is, I mean, hands down our most popular song, but it was because of YouTube that that song just exploded and kind of has paved the way for the rest of what we've been able to do. Like without YouTube specifically, we would have probably called it quits a long time ago. Right. So we yeah. really do owe YouTube, a, you know, a ton of thanks and gratitude for whatever, whatever the magician, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Make that they made that happen. So, yeah. Yeah. And and so, yeah, we've had the same lineup then since 2014. Since we've had Dakota, we've released uh, two albums, technically, and, a, and an EP. We released Illusions. We released Hunter Be Hunted in May of 21. And then in July, we released an acoustic EP called Theoretically Speaking. So that was a really long winded bio for you. <laughs> why our publicist was like, nobody cares. <laughs> that was that was the full but you can direct people to this podcast episode I'm gonna in have the future to. yeah, yeah. Be like if you want to hear the whole story we got you <laughs> like yeah. all 20 minutes of it <laughs> no but it's great we love it and it's definitely evident of the chemistry that you guys have once dakota joined the band like those last two albums were by and far my favorite of what you guys have done and it's just i mean every member seems to bring their own different musical influence to silent theory and many of the songs features different influences from like rock music, rap, country, and even classical. Like I can hear some string music and some uh, some pianos, orchestral instruments. Um, so is that part of the reason why the band felt these songs would transition well to an acoustic or a cinematic style for the new Theoretically Speaking Acoustic Sessions Volume 1 EP? You know, good question. I think partly we thought so. Because if you listen to the like the actual hard rock catalog of ours, we do try to incorporate all sorts of influences, all sorts of instruments. And I think it's because all five of us really do come with different bands and different genres that have really inspired us to do this. And I, I mean, of course, we collectively have the bands we all like. But you ask any one of the band members about like, well, what did you listen to growing up or what do you listen mm -hmm. to now? And we are all over the place. Like when I'm writing music, I'm not ashamed at all to be like, that was cool in that song. How can I incorporate something similar to that in a Silent Theory song? Mm -hmm. And so that's why you'll hear like we it started with Fragile Minds with like the piano and the strings and the, and the piano is interesting, too. Of course, a lot of bands use piano. But if you listen to a lot of like our genre, the piano sound is more of a MIDI sound. It's more of a synth sound. Mm -hmm. Um and of course, that's really popular. Me personally, I've always liked the organic sound of like a grand piano. And so if you listen to a, a fair amount of our songs, we still have that kind of organic piano sound. And, and some people love it and some people hate it. You know, I mean, it <laughs> is what it is. You know, me personally, I, I think it's a little bit of a differentiator um, even still. So we try to include that where we can without overdoing it, of course. And then, you know, you brought up the classical elements. I, you know, some of the most beautiful music in the entire world is classical music, obviously. Of course, everything originally stemmed from that. Yeah. Um, and I've always been a huge fan, a huge fan of rock bands or really any bands that can bring in an orchestra or add strings to, to it just enhances the song to me mm -hmm. so much. And so with Fragile Minds, again, trying to keep it as organic as we could, we actually brought in a cellist. Sean Lamont was his name. He, he was a cellist for the uh, Spokane Symphony. And he came in. And so that cello that is on Fragile Minds, that is a live cello. That's a real cello. And awesome. so we've kind of kept those elements as we've progressed through, through the catalog. And of course, 
we have to be careful too, because most of the, you know, a lot of our fan base, they love Fragile Minds and they want Fragile Minds 2.0 and Fragile Minds 3.0 and Fragile <laughs> 4.0. And so we try, we're like, where's the happy medium where you can still have some of that piano, some of those string elements, but not rewrite Fragile Minds. And like I said, some people love it. Some people are like, this isn't Fragile Minds, I'm out, you know? <laughs> and so it, it happens. But to, to get to your question, Dan, when we were trying to come up, we thought it'd be cool to do two tracks off of the first three albums for this EP. And we had to take that into consideration as we were looking into like, what would translate to a, a cool acoustic song? Because another personal, just, I don't know, issue of mine uh, I don't really love it when bands do an acoustic version of their songs and they sound identical. There's no change yeah, other right. than the guitar. I, I know a lot of people like it. And I'm not trying to dog on those bands. Me personally, that's, that's not my favorite. If we're going to do something acoustic, if we're going to do something different, let's do something different. And that's what we tried to do with Theoretically Speaking. So like, for example... If you're familiar with the first album, we have a song called Live in the Dream that actually Nick wrote. It's an upbeat, peppy, like stars in our eyes track, right? Yeah. And that was the single off that album. It was actually Dakota's idea to redo that song in a much slower, depressed version with different lyrics, essentially taking the story from the other side to say like 11 years ago, you guys were, you had the stars in your eyes, you know, we're going to make it, we're going to do everything there. And then you fast forward 11 years with all the experience and like, I mean, you know, it's no surprise that the music industry is absolutely brutal and cutthroat. It's like, mm -hmm. it is, it can destroy. And trust me, we have had our fair share of those issues. And so I think Dakota had cut, wanted to come at it from the slower, like, Hey, now we're here. Let me, let me, yeah, now let me tell you the story. And so it's drastically different, but it's a really, really condensed version of that first song. Disintegrate was one I had written off of Black Tie Affair, and we wanted a whole bunch of strings and stuff on the original album. Our producer at the time was like, no, that's stupid. We're not going to do that. So we didn't. So Disintegrate was really just my second chance of like, hey, let's do it the way I wanted to do it 11 years ago. Fragile Minds was the only one we really did as an actual like cinematic version where there's very little guitar and all the rest of it is piano, this whole orchestral vibe behind it. It was interesting doing that one. I think we thought it would be perceived a lot better than it was, you know, internally. We were like, this is really cool. We'll film the video in the same video location. People are going to love this. And everybody was like, yeah, it's all right. You know, <laughs> we really liked Fragile Minds. This one's cool. Like, I'll put it on if I need something to vibe to. So we were like, oh, all right. <laughs> I'm still proud of it, but whatever. Yeah, and, so, and that's really just how it came through with it, with the other two tracks off of um, Hunter Be Hunted. We brought in, you know, a live violinist, Gunnar Nelson, to do those. And then the last one that was just a total crapshoot that we were like, let's just try it was Am I Fixed Yet and doing this like bluegrass version of that. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's fun to think outside the box. I would say that a lot of those tunes were probably more for us. Like we hoped that they did well, but it's also fun <laughs> to just be like, let's try it. And if it goes well, it goes well. And if it doesn't, yeah. then, all right, we move on. I think you guys were successful with it. It was interesting to, you know, the tie in with all the, the videos that you produced with it as well. Just, just kind of sitting in an area with all the instruments and it translated well, I thought. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Do you have a personal favorite from the EP 
or were there any songs that you felt like sounded better this style? Uh, you know, I my personal favorite is probably Disintegrate. Um, and not necessarily because it's the best song on the EP. I don't know. I guess it depends on who you ask. That was the first song I wrote for Silent Theory. And I wrote all of the music, mm. all of the lyrics. Um, and I wrote it in an extremely dark period of my life. It was one of those things where, like, at the time I felt like all I had was my guitar and a pad of paper. And I just tried to write out how I felt. Right. And um, I don't think I've ever like, you know, put my soul so much into anything like I did that song. So the fact that we were able to re-record it with Dakota and then re-record it the way I had actually wanted it to be done on the first album, um, I think is what meant most to me. So I, yeah, I, I would say just for personal reasons, Disintegrate's probably my favorite. But, you know, I, th I thought Shaking Cages sounded cool. Um, Alice was cool. It was a stripped down version. So, yeah, I guess it would depend on who you ask. My favorite's Disintegrate, though. So I'm kind of glad that you mentioned the lyrics and, and you mentioned Disintegrate and what that song meant to you when writing it. Well, that's one of the things that attracted me to this to your band is your lyrics are, for all your songs, at least the ones that I really, truly enjoy, are very intimate. They're, they can be considered controversial, um, but they also help raise awareness. And so um, that I kind of wanted to get into that. So you had mentioned that you disintegrate. Does everybody write the lyrics for all the songs or is it just one particular, is it just Dakota some most of the time? Yeah, no. So we found what works best really from delusions on. Well, really once Dakota joined was that he would just be the primary lyricist. So our writing process Scott and I typically split the music like on Delusions. I think he wrote half the songs. I wrote half the songs musically. And then we we get together to try and form it into something that Dakota can use. And then we'll send that to Dakota and he'll write the lyrics for it. And so we've we've tried to do the collaborative writing thing. And honestly, it just doesn't work for us. I don't know. We're all over the place and we really don't get a lot done. We found that this <laughs> just seems to work the best. So Dakota does really all of the lyrics what i appreciate about dakota is and you had, you kind of mentioned about these, these deep lyrics or maybe these controversial lyrics he is so good in my opinion at like either taking something personal or something in the world around him and then being able to poetically put it on paper yeah and we don't really want to mess with that like he you know, he's he's got his style. Some of the stuff is funny. Like some of the stuff he'll come with, we're like, that is the weirdest lyric ever. Like that is like, <laughs> that is weird. But then he'll then he'll do it in the song and you're like, oh, OK, you know, and so it, it yeah. works. But yeah, he and, and he is a perfectionist, I think probably through a fault, actually. Um, he'll you know, we'll send him music. He'll write lyrics and then he's like, no, and he'll scratch them out. And he's like, <laughs> no, no, no. And he, there are times he will do that up to the point where we are in studio and we're like, Dakota, you have to get in the vocal booth and go sing. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm going, you know, I'm going. I think I got it. <laughs> and, so, and, and so his, he's just, he, he takes so much like time and energy and like mental awareness in his lyrics. And I think that's why. Mm -hmm people really can gravitate to them because yep. they're, they can be really pointed at something, but yet be so obscure 
that hopefully people are like, I don't really know what the song's about, but this is my takeaway of it. And mm-hmm. if that's what your takeaway is, that's what it's about. Right. Yeah. It's awesome that you can span such a broad spectrum of things, whether that be musically or lyrically for fans to interpret it however they want to. Yeah, we certainly try. (laughs) That actually kind of ties into a a question that I wanted to ask you. Um, When you're burying your soul in a song, there's a couple of songs, one particular being Six Feet Under. I mean, you wrote that in, I'm presuming like 2020 or even earlier. Uh, But when when you write that and perform it, and you, you want to make a change and you want people to hear it. What what goes through your head when you see another story on the news of another mass shooting? Like, how does that, how do you deal well, with that? <laughs> I mean, good question. It's sad, but it's almost like, I feel like you almost are just waiting for it daily. Like right. what's yeah. happening now somewhere else, it's all tragic. It's all sad. Six Feet Under is by far our most controversial song. And, and what's interesting is it we didn't intend it to be. Mm-hmm. So at the time Dakota had written that, there was a rash of uh, just a ton of shootings. Like I, we felt like at the time more than normal. Dakota had written that song not even kind of about gun control. Mm-hmm. It was about mental awareness and like, looking for help for people that, you know, may have the mindset to do that. Like, what are Mm -hmm. we doing to try and identify or take care of, Mm -hmm. you know, hurt people so that they don't hurt other people. Yeah. Um, What happened was that song came out and it quickly divided the fan base because we had half of them that were like, yeah, I hate guns too. And we were like, no, no, no. We like, we all own guns. We're from Idaho. Like, <laughs> we all own guns. Yeah. It is not about gun control. It is about just mental illness and, yeah. uh, and addressing it, talking yeah. about it. Yeah. You know, instead of like sensationalizing these, these tragedies, like, let's talk about the root issue here and like see what we can do to maybe avoid the next one. That's, I promise you, that is what the song was about. Mm-hmm. And, and I think people, some missed it entirely. And I remember when we were doing interviews around that time, um, I, I was doing a bulk of those interviews and I just tried to just like scream it at the top of my lungs. Like, listen, <laughs> yeah. this is what it's about. This is what it's about. This is what it's about. And like, I would share, like, I was like, Dakota, I need a, I need a quote from you. You wrote the lyrics and <laughs> he would hammer that in and we'd share it out. And somebody would be like, you guys are the worst band ever. And we hate you. And I'd have to, I would literally just wow. copy and paste. Like, this is what Dakota said it's about. You know? <laughs> it, what was interesting about that song in particular is we took a chance on it. I think if you had listened to everything up to six feet on, the lyrics were pretty um open for interpretation right like you can hear elements of things but it's really broad with six feet under it's definitely telling a story like it's it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know like this is what we were singing about and i remember dakota was a little bit nervous about doing it because he's like we haven't done it before we haven't written something like this before i don't know how it's going to be received and we were like you know what I'm proud of it. We're proud of it. Musically, it's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll release it, you know, and if people don't like it, then okay, you live and you learn. And what's interesting is it when we did release it, it I would say it got mediocre attention. But ironically, within the last year or so, 
it's mm-hmm. our number one on Spotify. Hmm. Of all, like I don't, it's I don't know. People are liking it on Spotify, and and it's become like a top three song as far as popularity. So we never played it for the longest time live, and we have since reintroduced it back into the set because uh, people like it. I don't know if the message finally got around. That we, yeah, uh, we don't hate guns, <laughs> right? So we, but, yeah. Well, thank thank you for that answer. I really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so another exciting thing that Silent Theory has been teasing on social media is a new single called So Far So Good. The single will be released by this time the, uh, this episode drops, but we had the pleasure of getting an advanced copy. And I personally want to thank you as a single was sent to me on my birthday. And I, ha- I was actually the <laughs> fifth person to view it. So not only did I get to hear a great song, but also made me feel super special on my birthday. So I appreciate that. You say you were, <laughs> and, you say you were the fifth? Yeah. yeah, the fifth person ever, yeah. according to YouTube. I believe that means that you were the first person outside of the band to hear it. Oh, <laughs> there you that's, go. There that's you even go. better. That's, that's awesome. Amazing. Thank you. Because we definitely love getting that insider knowledge. It's kind of our, uh, our, our ongoing joke here. Um, but, <laughs> so I just I, I want to know, is this single kind of like a one off or is this a possible like new album or is this maybe just an extra off Hunt or Be Hunted? Nope. So it's we we're releasing it as a single, but we actually have four other songs Awesome. pretty much done that are also ready to release uh well almost ready to release yeah it's <laughs> albums versus singles it's an interesting question we have an internal discussion amongst ourselves about uh, how music versus, is released yeah. these days lps yeah. yes. EPs, singles yep. these you know these building eps where a band will release like three singles and then put them together and then put them together again in an album and so yeah, this idea of of singles and their place in the music world and yeah. right now and and full albums and their place and all that is fascinating to us. Yeah, no, and it, man, hot hot debate even still, <laughs> uh, right. hot debate within our own band. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I was a '90s kid. I love CDs. I still mm-hmm. think CDs are the best sound quality there is. I will take CDs over <laughs> anything. They, mm-hmm. I love CDs. I love albums. I I was that that kid that like. You know, if I loved the band and they had that big radio single, you know, I liked it. But I was always looking for the hidden gems in the in the albums, right? The yeah. songs that maybe nobody liked, but I liked. That's why I really love albums. The problem is, is with how, well, problem or not, I don't know. I guess it depends on who you ask. The difference today is the system is not set up to really encourage albums because it's all about algorithms. Like we were talking about on, yeah. on YouTube, Spotify is the same way. Apple Music's the same way. So, you know, they want you to do these waterfall releases where you release a single, you ride that out. And as that starts to maybe come down, mm-hmm. boom, the next single comes out. Yeah. And then it bumps it up again. And, that, and that's how it works. And when we were doing Hunter Be Hunted, we were split because... Half the band was like, I don't want to do an album. Like it's the days of the albums are kind of gone. Unless you're at certain levels, you know, I think there are bands, there's bands that will always be able to get away with the albums. But we half of us were like, no, we need to do singles. Let's not do the albums. Then you had my camp that was like, we need to do albums. I love albums. <laughs> if nothing else, do an album for me. Um, <laughs> but but what was interesting is we would release a song. And then somebody would, you know, you'd get a comment that was like, great song, when's the album coming out? Yeah. Great song, when's the album? And we got a ton of those. 
And so we're so it kind of swayed my way to be like, let's do an album. People want the album. So we did the album. And then guess what? People wanted the singles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And it right, was right. Like, I'm really proud of Hunter Be Hunted. And I yeah. collectively, I think they're like we had a fair amount of radio songs on it and a fair amount of hits, I guess you want to call them that. But it did exactly it bumped us up. It may have brought in a new audience, but it also kind of died as quickly as it came in because there was nothing new to release. It all came out on the album. Right. So we've kind of shifted. I think the plan moving forward will be that we release all of these as singles and then put them together as a compilation. I've seen a lot of bands do that. I think Mm -hmm. we'll do that too. Um, And mostly for, for CDs for like shows, they're one of our biggest sellers at shows because they're mm-hmm. easy to sign, right? They're cheap and they're easy to sign. And so that's really why we still even have them. Uh, you know, nobody has a CD player anymore. Like the cars <laughs> don't have them anymore. Like computers <laughs> don't have them anymore. So it's really just a novelty thing, I think, to to be able to sign. But, you know, I think we're we're moving toward what everybody else is doing, unfortunately, or yeah. not, unfortunately, I don't know. Yeah, 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 no, well, just, yeah as yeah, a fan, yeah, yeah. As a fan. You know, release of the medium. But yeah. just for the record, I am still a tried and true album fan. I will, I will be album till the day I die. I think the moral of that story is that people are never satisfied. Nobody's going to be happy. That is, really, that is really funny you say that because <laughs> we released the album in May of 21. And by like July 5th, 21, people are like, when's the new music coming out? Yeah. 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 <laughs> are you serious? We just released 12 tracks. That wasn't good enough for you. We actually, we did an interview with somebody recorded the just the other day and their album just came out and they'd been, you know, trying to put out for like two years. And so towards the end of the interview, we jokingly asked, okay, the album's out. Now what's next? Like, <laughs> when's the next one? Yeah, what's the next one? And when is We're, it we're playing, but it is a real thing. Like, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. that. So <laughs> That's why you, you got to like hold one track off of the next album and then just release it after the fact. You're like, oh, it's a bonus track. Like, no, that's, <laughs> that's what we'll do. So as we, re- as we release these singles, when we actually do like whatever the compilation is or whatever, we would release uh, like a song as part of that too. So we would still have a new song, but cool so 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 far so good is is the first of a of a series to expect over the next whatever period of time correct cool so are these songs that are we're going to try to be pushing on like uh like octane radio and and things like that yeah absolutely so each one of them will have a full radio campaign behind it nice awesome yeah i'm excited i i definitely uh really appreciated hearing that the single so far so good and and i have i've been loving everything you guys put out for like the last eight years so awesome, <laughs> he, he had a lot to go back to once that once he <laughs> saw that youtube video it was yeah. just like the treasure trove open he's like oh, check out everything <laughs> well i appreciate it Mine was blown. Uh, <laughs> it yeah, was and he, he went out and bought the albums and then we started playing them on the radio show every sunday for from here on out that yeah we should awesome. we you. should note that dan is a cd guy as well he's yes. our, our main cd guy yeah, it, that's why i was smiling so big when you said uh you had signed because i also yeah. have a couple signed albums that, that are around me and as well as like signed t-shirts and stuff like that like so i thought it was hilarious that you're like that you're saying <laughs> That's the stuff's easy to sign. CDs, yeah. I, that's, that's me. I'm that guy. Be proud. Be proud. That's right. Um, one, well, one other thing I wanted to kind of touch base on is, uh, you know, we read on the press release that you will be touring starting around January. Do you happen to know when those dates will be announced? And any insight on who might be accompanying you? 
We don't yet. It's still up in the air. Uh, we were hoping to do something this fall, but honestly, with releasing so far so good on October 7th, running that campaign, we run into like the holidays mm-hmm. and the industry just kind of shuts down at that point. Yep. And uh, just to be really honest, uh, I don't know how really any bands are touring at the moment with how expensive everything is. I mean, yeah, you know, it, you know our our bus takes diesel. You're stopping oh. every twenty feet to fill it up, and it's. <laughs> I really don't know how how bands are doing it right now, and I applaud those that are still able to make it work. We, you know, we were hoping to do something, uh, do a run in November, but we did, we went back to like the finances, and we were like, even with like the show guarantees and what we think we would make in merch, it would still be a wallet killer, and I just don't think we could do it. Yeah, um, and so we had to postpone it. Well, uh, you know, we're hoping for spring. We're yeah, I, all possibilities at this point. We're seeing what's you know, going to be announced. I, I don't know if we're going to headline some. I think the goal is actually to hop on and be direct support for maybe somebody else. Okay. Um, I, those are definitely our favorite tours to do. We'll, we'll see. We're, some offers are coming in. We're, we're evaluating. Um, but with releasing this track and then we'll release uh, the next single, whatever we decide that is in January, we're definitely going to have to get on the road to promote it. Nice. Might I suggest Shiprocked? <laughs> I, wish, I, wish, I wish that we would love to do all those. The festivals are like where it's at. If we could, if if we could just pick and choose what we do, like in a perfect world, it would just be the festival circuit. That's it. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Makes we'll push for it. Yeah. yeah. Please do. We'll do our part for whatever yeah. that's worth. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We do have a, a short series that we like to do at the end where it's kind of we call them rapid fire. And so, you know, you're welcome to keep them as brief as you as you like. Or if you got a couple details, that's that's fair, too. And it's kind of just exploring an artist's relationship to other artists. OK. Yeah. And so I got a few questions here. I'm going to I'm gonna throw out there and you can just let me know how you feel about them. The first is uh, a song or an album that changed your life in some way. Song or album that changed my life, Rush Moving Pictures. All and I'm right. gonna I'm gonna guess that most drummers will tell you that uh Rush <laughs> was a huge influence on them. So yeah, yeah. That moving pictures is what made me want to play the drums professionally. Makes sense. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, and this one is is similar but slightly different. We used to call this uh an album that's all killer and no filler, uh, until Sky Sweetenham of Sumo Psycho actually said some 41s all killer no filler and so now we had to change the wording of the question because she gave the, the correct answer the objectively <laughs> she correct the question <laughs> she won the question so a a no skips album i got a lot of them but furthest back i can go kiss destroyer all okay. right i like right. it very cool a band that everyone should see live Silent Theory. <laughs> <laughs> that was we had, we had an extra guest in the studio for that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I'm not kidding. Come see us. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and everybody should see. Oh my gosh. Um, I've been to a million concerts. This one's a tough one. Uh, yeah, yeah. We love hearing that. For, for... I, I'll tell you, one of the most impressive shows I've ever seen was Gojira. Okay. Their light show is above and beyond anything I had seen. That's awesome. So, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say Gojira. Okay. We go to a lot of shows, but it's it's cool to get perspective from people who 
do it themselves. Yes. Because you, you have a different, you know, insight into what's going on, you know, and, and the intricacies of what it takes to make a good show happen. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's a question we love to ask um, related. And we'll, we'll give it as a, as a, a given that silent theory is the answer to this one as well, <laughs> but an artist that more people should know. <laughs> So this is your chance to shout out another. Under I know, radar, I know. Kinda. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's a ton of great bands. A, well, shoot. I don't, a band that I'm really into that is not necessarily like there, I wouldn't classify them as hard rock. Um, and so I don't know if this answer needs to be in the genre replay. Oh, but, no, okay. You're fine. You're fine. A band I am really into lately is VHS collection. Okay. They remind, I don't know if you've heard of them, but they remind me of like an 80s kind of synth pop band. I don't know. It's I really like that style of music. Like I play hard rock, but if I'm listening to music, I rarely listen to hard rock to be or like new <laughs> rock, to be honest with you. Yeah. I so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say VHS collection. I, okay. I think they're incredible. Awesome. All right. I haven't heard them, but I will say when you say a band called VHS Collection that does like '80s synth pop, I'm like, of course they do '80s synth pop. That is, I don't know, if, exactly. I don't know if they would classify themselves as that, but that's what I hear. So that is, okay. it's exactly what I would think a band with that name would play. It's perfect. Yeah. They 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 figured their identity out very quickly. <laughs> all right, well that is that's all I've got for those. I appreciate your answers and insight on that. Now we got a couple of of artists to to add to the agenda to see as well. All right. Did you guys have any other last things before we let Mitch go? No, just really appreciate your time. And yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for your time. We definitely appreciate it. And, and I hope that, uh, that this lived up to our, our, our expectations that we set in the beginning. You're <laughs> welcome. And I, I am not just saying this. I swear to God, probably the most fun interview I've ever done. Thank we you. appreciate that so much. I'm dead, I am dead serious. You've seen the interviews I've done. Yes. <laughs> the bar was low, but no, this, uh, this is by far, like, I enjoyed it. The questions were awesome and not normal questions, and I really had to think on some of them. I appreciate it. This was cool. Thanks. Thank, thank you. That, we that really appreciate us, that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. The only other thing um, that I wanted to say is that you, you or any of the band members are definitely welcome back anytime. So just, you know, yeah. if you guys have anything you want to promote, just let us know. We'll definitely have you on. Yeah, um, please do. Well, I'm saying you've got, obviously you've got our contact now as well. So <laughs> anytime you want us on, even if it's just a gab, yeah. we'd love to. We've been thinking about that for, for 2023. Like yeah. let's have some people on and just talk about stuff. It, music. Yeah. yeah. You want to promote <laughs> something and like sell whatever they're doing, but sometimes it's just fun to like talk with musicians about music. And, yeah, and exactly. Like we're saying about let's talk about Gojira and like, like that kind of thing. Or whatever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I would, we'd love to. So yeah, keep us in mind for any and all you want. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much, appreciate Mitch. It. We really appreciate your time. Well, I appreciate it. It was nice talking to you guys. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Likewise. Have a good day. Have a good one. That was our conversation with Mitch Swanger of Silent Theory. Mitch was a very nice and very informative guy, and I'm glad that we uh, were able to, to get some of his time. We appreciate that. So thank you again to Mitch for joining us. Yeah, and I also want to thank him for the real special compliment at the end of the interview. Uh, you know, we, we've bragged about all these artists saying that we have 
given them one of the best interviews or they're, you know, they were really pleased with our interview, but now we have proof. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's on the recording. I always thought that people were just being nice because they always told us that, that that's their favorite interview in person. And I mean, if you see you and Casey in person, you guys are intimidating for one. You're like <laughs> six, five, six, seven or some shit. Uh, uh, yeah. So I don't know. They're just trying to be nice. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were totally my favorite interview, guys. Like, just don't hurt me. Uh, um, but because <laughs> like even, you know, Lydia's castle, the drummer, uh, he, he asked if you're my bodyguard. Like, no, he's, he's just just my buddy. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Um, but so, you know, it, it's really awesome to, to have somebody on recording like you know on a on a, a, a screen where we're not in front of them in, uh, and, and where we're not in front of them intimidating them um, <laughs> <laughs> to tell us that this was one say of it's your favorite, favorite interview yeah. say it <laughs> don't give away our trade secrets casey <laughs> we put the shakedown on people <laughs> we need the good press uh, no we really appreciate when when artists enjoy our conversations because we, we we try our best to to let them have fun because we're gonna we're gonna have fun regardless <laughs> yeah casey and i were saying like it's music like we should it's like there's no reason to be serious about this for one like that's, that's just kind of the whole thing is like you know we're, we're always kind of a, a goofy bunch of group to be around even you know when we're not recording when we're not doing interviews so it's just it just carries over to the podcast because we're always laughing, we're always having fun, and that's just how we are all around each other. So it's grown men giggling about rock, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> or anything. Like we could go about all kinds of stupid shit all the time. That's true, and it really is giggling. That's what's weird. But yeah, <laughs> at least for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My favorite part is like it goes back to the comments. Like half the time, I don't even know what we're laughing about, but I'm still yeah. laughing along right along with you guys. <laughs> it's great. And I think that's what the artists feel too. Like us laughing just sets them back, you know, makes them comfortable and puts them at ease. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, they start getting it along, you know, getting into it and laughing along with us. And I think that's why everybody just has a good time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where we find out all their personal information and <laughs> use it to our advantage later. Exactly. <laughs> Get that insider knowledge, right? That insider knowledge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> lull, them, lull them into security. So thank you very much, Mitch. We do definitely appreciate you joining us. The other thing I want to point out is that the new single So Far So Good is out right now. You can listen. Uh, it has been added to all the playlists, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube is already playing it. So if you our get list. a chance. Yes, our playlist, of course. The, the New Rock Roundup. That's right. So get a chance. Uh, check that out. It's a great song. I am super excited about the music that that band continues to put out. And I'm really curious, like that, you know, he's talked about they got more singles on the way. So I'm definitely excited about what they uh, what they've got. And hopefully we'll be able to see them live next year. And it was fun to meet uh, a fellow CD lover. Yes. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've I've kind of given up that love, but, uh, you know, yeah, I, I yeah, it's I, I haven't bought a CD in for so long. Just I don't know. It's, I don't know. Just doesn't. It's not the same. I'm. I'm more. I think more about quantity instead of quality at this point. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. That's fair. Because <laughs> there's just so yeah. much music that I need now to own. The new Silent Theory track so far so good. We'll have a link to that directly in the show notes. It's also on our playlist. They released theoretically speaking uh, an acoustic EP earlier this year. 
as well as at the beginning of the year, the deluxe version of last year's Hunter Be Hunted. So they've been busy in 2022 in terms of their release schedule. There's a lot of silent theory out there to check out. Yeah, and then hopefully they'll be on tour next year. We'll be able to see them live. You'll be able to see them live, and all will be great. Yeah, if you enjoy them, follow them on the socials. Follow us on the socials. If we see them coming through our town, you will hear about that on our Twitter account. (laughs) And I'm sure on the podcast episode, because we'll probably go see them live and then talk about how they were. You know it. (laughs) That's what we do. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. (laughs) So thank you very much for listening to the Itch Podcast. My name is Dan. I'm Casey. And I'm Aaron. And until next time. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend about the itch. Check out the show notes for links about the episode, as well as our new music playlist and where you can hear us every Sunday night. And you can interact with us at itchrocks.com or on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Gmail, all at itchrocks, I-T-C-H-R-O-C-K-S. That's the silent theory. <laughs> I did. Nice. I yeah, yeah. I was like, is he stumped? Even if he is, he made it work. All right. Silence. That's totally what we're going to do. It's going to be like five seconds of silence and the silent theory. <laughs> I like that the outro just turned into an excuse to be weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's what I, yeah. I just... Have you had enough yet? I'm sorry. <laughs>